work part-time at Sovereign Hope Church in the children's ministry. Um, I lead a community group, my wife and I do. Um, I'm just getting some preaching experience, getting some experience uh, teaching the Word to, to groups of people, and I'm, I'm just very happy to be here with you guys. Um, like I said, my name's Stephen. Um, I'm 23 years old. I go to the university kind of off and on. Um, kind of taking a break right now because of money reasons. But uh, So a couple of years ago, um, a group of friends and I, we went down to Spokane for a concert. Um, and uh, you can imagine what kind of shenanigans happen when you get seven or eight college student guys together in a closed space. Doesn't end well. Anyways, we went to Spokane, we went to a concert, and in between the concert and traveling and whatnot, um, we're all guys, so we're all really competitive. We like, we like competition and competing, so we, we found any way that we could to compete. One of the ways we found to compete on this particular trip was a game, uh, American history trivia game. Um, I don't like history, and I don't like trivia, and I don't like these kind of games, but I'm competitive, so I wanted to win. So it was three of us versus four other guys, and because we are guys and competitive, we decided to make a bet on this game. So we laid down a bet that the losing team, this was in March, the losing, I think it was March, February, March, something like that, had to jump in the lake at, at, at Hayden Lake, which is like three degrees. It's frost on the outside. Jump in the lake if you lose. So my team was, I mean, we were a better team, but we ended up losing. And... Um, as we were getting re discussing, getting re ready to jump in the lake, the other team offered us a, a, a deal that we could um, go double or nothing on a uh, play again and go double or nothing. But the double or nothing was, was another th an additional bet we were going to throw on top of this. And that night, we had cooked ribs. Okay? We, cooked, and we cooked them in the oven. And if you've, ever cooked ribs, if you've never cooked ribs in the oven, at the end, you have this tin of congealed fat at the bottom of the tin. And so the double or nothing bet was that if we lost again, we'd have to jump in the lake and drink a small cup of this sludge, this congealed fat. So two of us wanted to do the double or nothing. One of us didn't. It was two to one, so we ended up doing the double or nothing. And all throughout the game, this third person was, was not, not happy that we were, we were doing this. He was very, very frustrated, very angry. And he happened to be the, the more intelligent out of the three of us. And he might have had a little bit too much port, and it didn't end well for us. We lost. So we ended up having to drink sludge, and as Anne jumped in the lake, it was a horrible experience. Our, our lack of unity and our discord led to um, probably in the near future, I'm going to have to have heart surgery, something along those lines, because of the cup of sludge that I had to drink. It was one of the more disgusting experiences in my life. But... Um, because of our, our lack of unity and our discord, and the fact that we weren't on the same page, led to not one but two losses. Not just jumping in a lake, but also to drinking an eight ounce cup of fat. So tonight, the scripture we're looking at, Paul is going to preach and teach unity in the church and preach the mission of the church. Tonight we're going to talk about unity in Christ, and we're going to talk about the mission that we have as the church in Christ and hopefully we'll have more unity as our, in our church than we did in our sludge drinking competition. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read and we're going to get right into it. Um, so I'll read it and then pray and then I'll read and uh, we'll dive right in. So once more, Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, 
assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the same promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for every, everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might, be made, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the, <clears throat> the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Lord Jesus, we love you. Um, we thank you for, for this building and, and this school, God, and thank you for our church and the opportunity we have to just come together and worship. Uh, we pray that tonight we would honor you, we would glorify you, and that, that through our, our worship and our unity that, that you would, you, we would bring fame to your name, that we would glorify you, Lord Jesus, and that we would go on mission and we would, we would be unified as one body for you. Um, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, Ephesians 3, 1 through 5, the first, uh, the first part of, of, that, um, of this chapter reads once more, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known, to the sons of men in other generations, as it is now being revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Paul opens here by identifying himself as a prisoner for Christ. He's identifying himself as, as what he does is for Christ. He's doing it for Jesus. Uh, at this time, he's in prison, he's writing, he's evangelizing. And, and in light of all his struggles and tribulations and trials, he doesn't lose the why, he doesn't lose the gospel. What he's doing, he does it for Christ, and that's how he identifies himself at, at the outset here, at the beginning. What Paul is in prison for and what Paul is risking, ever, ev risking everything for is the revelation of the gospel. It's the sharing and the preaching and the administering of the good news, and more specifically what Paul tonight will call the mystery of the gospel. But before we move on, Paul, Paul starts by, 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 he wants us to understand a concept, and that concept is revelation. When I say revelation, I'm not talking about the last book of the Bible or Left Behind or Kirk Cameron, one of those guys, or guillotines or fire falling from the sky, if you haven't seen those movies or read those books. When I say revelation, I mean revealing. I mean the revealing of something that previously was not revealed. Typically, it's an act of God. It's God revealing something. When the Bible talks about revelation, it's God revealing something to humanity, the nature of reality, how things are, how things are according to God. So the prevailing wisdom here in, in our culture, and in, in academia in particular, but just in general, is that, that man, humanity, the individual is the authority on their own life, as it is. I mean, we, we make our own rules, we have our own morality, we have our own kind of 
Uh, we are our own authority. We are our authority. What we say is what is, and, and, and what we see is what is. Through science, through reason, intellect, what we see is what is, you know. If we can't see it, if we can't touch it, if we can't feel it, we don't believe it. It's not real. But that's not, as believers, that's not how we operate. That's not how we see, that's not how reality is for us. In reality, our reality is according to God. See, that assumption that we are our own reality assumes that, it, that there's nothing beyond us, that there's nothing higher than us, that, we, that, that, that there's nothing beyond us. But that's silly because if you think about just 15 years ago, or 15 years ago with the internet, how you had to, to, to dial up the that sound, and then if you were on the computer doing something and, and someone picked up the phone, it was game over. It was on. And, and, and how we've technologically advanced in so many ways in just the past 15, 20 years. And how the more we learn, the more we understand, the more gets revealed to us. And, and, and that's God's grace in itself. But it's silly to think that anything beyond our understanding, anything beyond what we can comprehend, isn't real to us, if that makes sense. That, 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 that implication is that we are our own authority. But what God has shown us in Scripture and what God has shown us is that he is our authority. And, and, and the revelation of God, the revealing of God, what God has how God has chosen to reveal the nature of reality, how God has chosen to reveal himself, what he would will us to understand, is Scripture, is the Bible. So when Paul's talking here about the revelation of the mystery, revealing the mystery, he's talking about God making known something that wasn't known. So before God revealed it. It wasn't known to mankind. In verse 3, or verse 6, excuse me, rather, of, of chapter 3, he tells us what this mystery is. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, member of the same spirit, or member of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery that Paul's talking about tonight, the mystery that, that, that this passage is talking about, is the fact that Christ died not only for a particular people, but for all kinds of people. For Jews and Gentiles alike. For Jews and Greeks alike. For, for, for all different races, all different languages, all different people. As it was previously understood, Jesus was the king of the Jews. That's what they put on his cross. Jesus was the king of the Jews. But the mystery that God reveals to Paul and, 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 and other apostles and disciples is Jesus, his life and death is for all people. It's for all men. At this time, um, the, the, there was so much enmity, enmity between the Jew and, 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 the, and the Gentile. I, Tyler talked about it last week, how there was, there was so much discord, so much disconnect, so much strife and anger. I mean, there was a deep, deep level of hate between these two different people groups. And, 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 and as Paul gets into this, it, it's, it, it changes. As Christ died, that, that strife, that conflict that existed is, is pushed away. It is replaced by the gospel. A division that was, it was as deep as their blood, as deep as, their, as deep as where they were born, who they were born as, is, is replaced. That strife, that conflict is replaced by the gospel. That's the mystery that God has revealed here. The mystery of the gospel is that Christ died for all men. Christ died for all men. And we see this also in, in, in Matthew 
At the end of Matthew, and in the Great Commission, when, when Jesus himself says, go and make disciples of all nations, not just, not just, my, not just the Jewish people, not just the, 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 the promised people, the covenant people of God, but all nations. Make disciples of all nations. What was once, according to conventional wisdom, only for the Jews, was now for all. Where there was once a hatred that goes beyond anything we can understand is now a unity in Christ is a unity in the gospel. As he says at the end of that verse 6, fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the same promise, where there only ever existed conflict, now exists unity in Christ. And as Paul identifies himself as a prisoner for Christ, Jesus is his all. Jesus is who he identifies with as he, as he identifies himself with Christ, he's identifying himself with the Gentiles who he's speaking to, the Ephesians. Because he is Christ's and they are Christ's, they are unified in Christ. They are one in Christ. They are co-heirs and co-laborers for Christ. Now, <clears throat> as we go on, Paul is describing to the Ephesians his task from God his task in light of the gospel, in light of what Christ has done for him. Ephesians 3, 7 through 9 says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Paul's task was to preach the gospel, preach the unity in the gospel to the Gentiles, to, to people that previously had no salvation, where there was no promise for them. The, the, the covenant made with Abraham it wasn't for them. The promise to be God's people was for specifically the Jews. And now Paul is preaching the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the gospel, to a people that had no salvation. That was his task. That was what God called him to do. So, so why this shift from, from Jews only to, 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 to all men? Why this shift? Why, why, why is there that shift? Paul tells us in, in, in verses 10 through 13. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now, meet, now be made known to all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, that was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart and not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul is saying that the mystery of God that has been revealed, that it was, that it was not understood and comprehended beforehand, the mystery of God is that Christ died for the church. The church being Jew and Gentile alike. The church being all mankind, all people, different races, different languages. And this is an eternal purpose of God. As, as, as Paul says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he was realized in Christ Jesus. From the beginning of time, God had a plan. God had a purpose for creation. And that purpose is realized in the church and in Christ and in the unity in the church. God's purposes are, are, are unwavering. We, sometimes we, 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 like, we, we think that God changes from the Old Testament to the New, but what we see is that 
The, the, the promises of God in the Old Testament, that the, the actions of his people, that, that what God orchestrates in the Old Testament points to Christ and it points to the church of which Christ is the head, as we see in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus was given to the church as the figurehead, as the leader, as the example, as the one we follow. God revealed salvation. Then he revealed the need of all men for salvation, not specific to a people. And then, and then all those who, who, who would have that salvation and accept and love Jesus would be part of the church of which Christ is the head. So you see, the mystery that we're talking about tonight is, is the church, is the unity in the church between people of all different kinds. <clears throat> Christ died for the church. <clears throat> so we can shift our perspective now from, from, from kind of the individual, as, it, as in Christ died for, for, the, for, 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 for the individual, for the unity between individuals, as we talked about the unity between Jews and Gentiles, between individuals, and we can shift it to, to, to a more corporate view, to a more corporate view that, that the church might be the representation of the wisdom of God and that, by, and that God might be made known through the church, that the church might reveal to creation the glories of God. As he says in, 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 in verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. God's wisdom, God's glory is, is found in the church. On earth here, we have the, the church is where we find the wisdom of God. It's comprised of the people of God under the rule of God, under the power of the Spirit for Christ. We are co-laborers. We are co-heirs as the church as one. It's not, it's not individuals. It's the church together. When we receive God's gift of salvation, part of that gift is participation in the church, the unified body of believers. And, and we see here in, in Paul's text two main kind of points, two points of emphasis in the church. And one we already talked about a little bit is unity, that there would be unity amongst the church. We're going to go back to Ephesians 3, 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. One body, one people, co-heirs, co-laborers, partakers of the same promise under one head. We are unified in Christ. There is no greater unity amongst people, amongst humanity, than was found in the church, than what's found in the gospel and in Christ. What bonds us is so much stronger than anything else in this world that you can find to bond over sports, television, music, whatever, interests, likes. Nothing bonds you. Nothing holds you together more, holds us as people, as individuals together more than the gospel, than the church. Nowhere else can you find a deeper bond than, than what you can find in Christ and in the church. In this room, we have, we have such a variety of different people um, different majors, different likes, dislikes, uh, even different races, different languages sometimes. And yet that's not, that, that's not what we, how we define ourselves. We define ourselves as members 
of the family of God, as, as, as partakers in the gift of Christ. We've been given Jesus, and that's how we identify himself. That's how Paul identified himself at the, at, at the beginning, that he, he is a prisoner for Christ, that despite everything he's going through, that his identity in Christ is, is first and foremost, and that's where we find unity together. Um, I'm participating in a, in a Bible study at Sovereign Hope, reading a book about, um, about revival and, and revival throughout um, history and th- through just several different revivals and how they happened, what they mean, and, and how they, what they mean. One of these revivals was, um, I think it was the third, and the, it was, another name for it was the Businessman's Prayer Revival. And basically how this revival started was this one guy, this one pastor decided to meet once a week with a bunch of businessmen and, and just pray for an hour once a week. And so they got together, they, were, they prayed, and, and it, it start, slowly started to grow. Uh, one week, there was, I think there was, no, no one showed up the first week, and then it just, from there, the second week, I think 12 people, and then it exploded. Until at the end, there were thousands of different people from thousands, from hundreds of different backgrounds and, and denominations and cultures. They actually, at, at, as you entered into the, the, the prayer room, they had a sign that said you couldn't talk about or bring up anything controversial. So when you had Methodists and, and, and uh, Episcopalians and, and, and any other Arminians, Calvinists, all these different theologies, all these different denominations, they were coming together to pray to God together. They were unified in their prayer. They were unified under Christ we can see that the examples like this in the church, that where, where, where Christ, where, where the gospel transcends everything else. That nothing is more important, nothing is more valuable, nothing separates us, nothing separates us, nothing, is more, nothing unifies us more than Christ does. That Christ in the gospel is transcendent. That means that I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. That means I'm a Christian before I'm a husband, a Christian before I, I'm, I'm a student, uh, my job, whatever other kind of identities I have, whatever I do in my life, I'm a Christian first. I'm a member of the family of God, member of the church. As we discussed before, our identity is in Jesus. And, and, and don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying... Church, church lines, lines between church denominations aren't, aren't, aren't bad. I mean, they're, they're a good thing to a degree. Defining your doctrine, defining what you believe, finding a church that you agree with methodologically and missiologically is important. And, and that's good, but that's not what defines us. What defines us is participation in the gospel. And under that, the church as a whole, the global church, we are charged with unity as one body under Christ, as co-heirs of the same inheritance, all together. So in light of this unity in the church, what does Paul do? Um, Ephesians 3, 7 through 9, once again. <clears throat> of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Paul went on mission. 
When the mystery of the gospel in, in, in that it's for everyone was, was revealed to Paul by God, he went on mission. He went on mission. He went, he evangelized. He made disciples, as Christ said, of all nations. He went specifically, as it says, to the Gentiles, to people that didn't have it before. The second point of emphasis we see here for the church is mission. As a church, we go on mission to share the glories of God, to show the wisdom of God. Once again, Ephesians 3, 10 through 13. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I now ask you not to lose heart for what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The wisdom of God is found in the mission of the church, and the mission of the church is the means for the gathering of God's people. God's people gather at the church. That's what the church is. It's the gathering of God's people under God's rule. We submit to God. We submit to the gospel. We submit to Jesus as a church, as one body. The mission of the church means to gather his people for the church. We are charged, as Paul was, with, with mission, with preaching and teaching. Romans 11 talks about Gentiles being grafted in to, 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 the, to, to the people of God. Um, where the, as the mystery of, gospel, uh, mystery of the gospel we see tonight that, that the Gentiles are partakers in the same promise, um, we see the universal nature of the work of the cross, that the cross isn't just for a particular people, it's, it's, it's for all men that would believe. And, and in Romans 11, the grafting in of the Gentiles is the grafting in into, in, into the participation in the covenant of Abraham, that we are, in, we are also we are what is, co-heirs, of the inheritance. That the inheritance isn't for a particular people, it's for all people. All believers are now participants in that. <clears throat> and the way that the church goes out, the way that the, the mission is played out it, it is, is, is as the church. When Christ gave the Great Commission, he gave it to his disciples. He gave it to a group. He gave it to a people. All of Christians all Christians, despite no, no matter your denomination, your affiliation, or, what's, or what, our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus. Our mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus. As Paul says, the, to show people the unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians 2.7 tells us what the unsearchable riches of Christ are. Is. Is. Are. Is. So... So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The unsearchable riches of Christ are found in Christ. The greatest and most valuable thing that, that, we, are at, that we are given is Christ. The unsearchable riches is Christ, is Jesus, is his gospel. The church is the church because of Christ. Without Christ, there is no church. The mission of Paul was to tear down the dividing walls between Jew and Greek, between, between all different kinds of people, whatever separated people, was to tear down those walls and put everyone under the banner of Christ. Everyone that, that God would call under the banner of the gospel. 
Paul says that, that, that his calling was to preach and teach. That was his specific calling. He was called to preach to the Gentiles. That's what he tells us here. Is that he, he, his missionary journeys, he preached to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, to the to Asians, to, to people outside of, of uh, not, people that weren't Jews, to the Gentiles. Not all of us are called to the same thing. Not all of us are called to stand up front and preach the word of God. Not all of us are called to, to lead worship. Not all, all of us have different talents, different giftings, different abilities, different passions and desires that God's given us. And, and God's, most of those are, are, are God-given, and he's given us those for the church. He's given us those for the church that, 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 we, can, that we, we can go be in unity as the church and that we can go on mission and use those talents as the church. And mission is one of the more difficult things, I think, evangelism, whatever you want to call it, in our culture. Um, in the, today's day and age with, with social media and, and, and just always being connected to people, you are what you were for the last 10 minutes. And, and, and it's really intimidating to, to preach or, or share the gospel with people because perception is everything. Reality isn't what matters. What people think about you is what matters. It's how you get jobs. That's, that's, how, you get ahead. that's how you get promotions, get ahead, is what people think and see about you. It's, it, reality isn't what matters. Perception is what matters. So this is a difficult struggle for us. This is a difficult struggle for us to go out and preach the gospel, to share the gospel, to participate in the mission of the church. But as we struggle through this life and through mission, we don't struggle alone, as Paul says at the end, that he's struggling, the last verse there. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul is suffering. Paul is struggling for the glory of the church and for, for the glory of Christ and for the church, for, the, for the, expanse, the expansion of the church, for the growth of the church. But we don't struggle alone and he didn't struggle alone. We have unity in each other. We get help, we get advice, we get encouragement from one another. <clears throat> our call to unity, our call to one another is vital to our health on, in our mission as the church. The encouragement, the advice, the help we get from one another is vital to, 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 to the advancement of the gospel. It's vital to, to what we can do to participate in God's mission. We place an emphasis on community groups at Sovereign Hope and, and unity because God does, because the Bible does. Paul's calling to the church was worth suffering, as he said. He said as he said at the beginning once more, he's, he, he's suffering. He's, he's a prisoner of Christ. He wrote this from, from prison. He's doing what he is, it, what he just told us, the mystery of the gospel, is worth the suffering. It was worth it. The struggle, the pain. As it's, as it's difficult for us to participate in mission, to participate in evangelism, to participate in, in sharing the gospel with people, um, as that's difficult for us, we don't, we don't struggle through that and do that alone. We have one another. That's one of the roles of the church is the encouragement that we get from one another as we move the gospel through our city and through our campus. So friends, I would, I would really encourage you to, to commit to community, a community group if you're not, because the, the unity that you, that you experience, the help and the encouragement that you experience in that, and the relationship that you experience is, is so much more valuable 
than, than you can measure. We are, we are one body, one body of, of believers, uh, one church on mission for God. We are a body in motion. Um, we are a body on mission. I want to, kind of to close, I want to I read, just read it again, because it really is just, it's a, just a beautiful passage of Scripture. Um, just read it again and think about, as we read this, think about the, think about the church and think about the unity in the church and think about the mission of the church. Because um, Paul says it so much better than, it, than I can. Um, so once more, Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Be encouraged in the church. Be encouraged that you have, you have, you have a, a bond with people that is stronger than anything else you will experience. And that because of that, you have, we have the boldness in, we have boldness in Christ to go on mission with the church, to go on mission for the church. As difficult it is, as it is to, to, in our culture in particular, to, to, sh- to bring the gospel to the world, to bring the gospel to our campus and, and to our friends and family, that's what we're called to do. We're called to go on mission for the church. So let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we, again, we love you. Um, Jesus, we, we worship you tonight. Um, as, as one unit, as one body, as one gathering of believers, God, um, just one small room of Christians in a world of disciples, God. Um, remind us that you are, you are everything, that you are our identity, you are, you are our everything, and that in that, nothing else separates us. Nothing can separate us from that. Nothing is more powerful than the unity that we have in you, God. Jesus, we love you. Um, just help us as we go this week to, to be encouraged and to, be, to go on mission for you and to, to be encouraged in our unity with one another. Lord Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray.